from the campuses of East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee, and Emory and Henry College in Emory, Virginia, this is Religion for Life. I'm John Schuck. Religion for Life explores the intersection between religion, social justice, and public life. Today we're going to talk about the dark side of religion and the harm that it can do, and sometimes how faith comes in spite of church, not because of it. My guest is J.C. Ferris, author, poet, and rescuer, that is, rescuer of animals. She grew up in uh, East Tennessee in southwest Virginia and currently lives in East Tennessee near Kingsport. She's the author of five books, Secrets of a Vet Tech, The Guide to Low-Cost Pet Care When the Cupboard is Bare, Fundamentalism to Faith, Memoirs of a Recovering Free Will Baptist, and three books of poetry, uh, Grace Rain Down, The Transformation of Faith in Poetry and Prose, Chronicles of the Insane, The Poetry and Prose of Mental Illness, and Cathedral of the Divine, Pagan Poetry and Prose. You can find information about all her work, her books, her poetry, and her pet-sitting work at her website, jcferris.com. That's J-C-F-A-R-R-I-S dot com. Now, even though she lives in driving distance from the radio station, she's speaking with me via Skype, and we'll talk about the reason for that in the course of the conversation. Uh, welcome, J.C., to Religion for Life. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. Your book, Fundamentalism to Faith, Memoirs of a Recovering Free Will Baptist, was self-published in 2013. It's available at Amazon, and this book is, is your story. It's open and it's honest, and you talk about some painful things as well as joyful things. Tell me about this book. How, how did you decide to do this, and, and what did you learn about yourself? It was a uh, spiritual biography. Um, I've noticed since coming back to Tennessee uh, after living in California that um, people like me, that is gay people, uh, have not been accepted well. Uh, and the I wanted to tell a story so people could see how much their tough love hurts and the effects that it has on people like me. Um, it started out just telling the story of growing up as a free will Baptist and in a very conservative uh, church built by my grandfather, um, which was in initially a very positive experience, and there's still lots of it that's positive. Um, I started that, uh, continued to write, included my poetry, my favorite hymns, and in doing so, um, hoped that it would be therapy for me to try to deal with the uh, pain that I was going through at the time. And it ended up being therapy, didn't it? In a lot of ways, it was. Um, I had, as part of my own defense mechanisms, blocked it out. Uh, quite a bit. And I was able to talk to my family, my friends, um, my uh, ex-husband, and so on, and help me to um, bring these memories back up in hopes to dealing with them. And as I was writing the book, the intensity of the pain and the memories was so bad um, I would literally get sick as I was writing. Uh, I would get uh, uh, very sick at my stomach and would have to stop. And after I finished the book, um, I felt good having that out. But at the same time, I ended up having a breakdown to the point that uh, I was on suicide watch for several weeks. Um, 
so it was therapy in that it helped me deal with that. But in telling you that, I'm telling you this is how painful uh, this is and why it's such an important uh, book. Not to say, woe is me, but to say, I'm just an example of what is happening. And I want you to see how bad it can be so you can see the grace that God himself, or in my case, herself, the way I speak of her, um, can rain down on us. Uh, and that's what this book meant to me. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit more then, thank you for that, about um, this church in which you grew up. Well, first of all, what do you mean when you use the word uh, fundamentalism? Um, I'm referring to uh, taking the Bible as the literal word of God. Uh, in other words, um, the Adam and Eve story happened exactly as it says. Uh, Noah and the ark story happened exactly as it says. Um, that was an important part of it. You did not uh, consult any other uh, spiritual um, guide, any, spirit, any other spiritual book. Uh, legalism was also uh, a big part of it. Uh, how you acted. It was almost as if there was a list. Did you drink? Did you smoke? Did you curse? Did you do this? And that's what made you holy and, and worthy of, um, of God, not your heart itself. <laughs> I think you have a friend there with you. Yeah, she's actually my therapy <laughs> dog. She is the only way I am able uh, to go anywhere. Well, let's, let me actually get her outside. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, but yes, she's uh, one of the ways that I'm able to leave the house right now. Well, let's talk. I want to come back. We can wander around a little bit with that conversation. Um, uh, you talk about leaving the house right now. You've um, you experienced panic attacks, as you write in your book, as a child, and you continue to experience them. And the condition you call is agoraphobia. Can you, What is that? It's basically uh, being afraid to be in a place that is not your safe place. Um, home is my safe place. I, I, I don't feel uh, out of control there. I don't feel fear. Mm -hmm. um, but whereas you, John, I see you travel a lot. And there is, I don't think you worry about the fact that you're going. For me, just to go sometimes outside my door uh, to the mailbox is terrifying. Uh, for me to go um, to the grocery store is really terrifying. Uh, I have to worry about, is the ceiling too high? Is this area too open? Um, and things like that. It's a constant decision-making uh, as to what feels safe and what doesn't. Uh, and right now, I only have uh, two fairly safe places that I can go uh, and that doesn't even include, I can't even go to my own mother's house, if that tells you, and they are mm. good people. There is a connection in some way uh, to this early uh, theological views of a punitive God and somewhat, and some of your fears. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, before uh, I understood as a child that God was a God of love who took care of me just as he took care, uh, you know, of nature, um, and I thought of him as a father figure or as a safe figure, um, my, I, I wasn't a, a, a person who was afraid. It was at eight years old, um, and I'd been in the church all my life um, when all this hit me, and it hit me very hard. 
And I started to feel different even at that age. And it seemed like no matter what I did, I could not be good enough for God. Um, and so I, I wouldn't allow myself to be a normal person. I wouldn't allow myself to be a normal child. I wouldn't allow myself most certainly to be a normal teenager. And so I would start to associate certain things uh, with fear. Number one, God. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, um, certain things like going to church. Church terrifies me. Just walking in the door, no matter how much I enjoy the gospel singing, no matter how much I enjoy that, uh, I got to where I was terrified to walk into a church. And it went on and spread to going to school uh, and going anywhere. And anytime anything is associated now with fear, uh, such as restaurants uh, and eating, I don't go there. Uh, and I don't think the church caused it. Um, and I don't think there was ever any ill intention whatsoever. Uh, and this is most certainly not an anti-church or an anti-God book. Um, but it's the the message of the secret messages that, that go into the mind of a child uh, who understands things only as a child can. Uh, and once you tell me God's a big bad wolf, then I'm going to be afraid. And I was. It exacerbates uh, perhaps what was already a part of your condition, too. Of... It does. It does. And, you know, the doctors believe that the agoraphobia, I have agoraphobia, I have dissociation and also ADD, and all of those things go together. So the mm -hmm. physical uh, genetics was there, but it was exas exacerbated greatly um, by the fear uh, put into me by the church. And, you know, uh, even in the first stories that I talk about in there, I think you could see quite clearly why I would be afraid uh, in in the first chapter talking about uh, the Russian prayer meeting, as it was called. Tell us uh, a little bit about that. Wow, that that was scary. I, I was at a uh, Christian camp um, out in the middle of nowhere. I had been there before. It, it was I felt like I could be safe. It's a Christian camp. What could go wrong? Mm. We were told, to, just the females, just the females, to get up one night to put our shoes on and to grab our Bibles. They got us at night, uh, probably about 10 or 11, after everyone had settled down. Uh, and they took us down uh, the hill. The cabins were up in the mountains, took us down the hill. And all we could see out in the middle of nowhere uh was the the cabin at the bottom where we all met uh, to eat and for services and things like that. As we looked down there, what we saw was an ambulance. Uh, what we heard was screams, and we were told that what we had to do was to get from the point where we were into that cabin, and whatever we did, we could not give up our Bibles because if we did... We were forsaking God, and God would forsake us. We were, in essence, told this was uh, the rapture had come, hmm. and we were here, left behind. And uh, each group was sent down uh, separately, usually in about three or four. And the first group I saw go down, they were tackled and, and screaming, uh, and I had no comprehension. Remember, I'm about 10 years old. Mm-hmm. When my group came, it was our turn. 
I ran down there as quick as I could, holding on to my Bible as tight as I could. And I actually made it around uh, the back to the main door with my Bible. And my own counselor was standing there and said, Jamie, you've got to get a, give up your Bible and you can get in here to safety. And I thought, no, you said if I did that, God would, would, would forsake me. I can't do that. Uh, and she was trying not to laugh at the same time and trying to be serious. And I was so confused. After she said that, I wouldn't give it up. I was tackled by several large men uh, who tried to rip my Bible away. I still wouldn't let it go. I kicked, I fought, because I thought this was my my soul. I mm-hmm. thought I was going to lose my soul to hell. And uh, they threw me in a, um, I, I guess it, you would call it just an outbuilding, uh, where you keep tools and things like that in the dark, and left me there. I don't know how much time passed. Um, I just remember being scared to death. Uh, I could feel all the spider webs. I could hear noises little things running around. A few other people were thrown in there with me. And at the end, they said, okay, you can come on in. Uh, come on in the cabin. Uh, that was just a, a test to show you what it would be like uh, at the end times. Wow. That's, exactly. Uh, and, uh, and that's common, isn't it, in church camps? Yes, it is. And, you know, I've tried to contact this church camp, and I did not put the real name in the book on purpose. But I've tried to contact them and tell them, please do not do this again. Um, you know, I never told my mother what happened uh, at that at that camp, but she knew I was too afraid to go back. Uh, I finally told her as an adult, and um, she said, Jamie, that was child abuse. She mm-hmm. said, if I had any idea, I never would have sent you into something like that. Um, and it's only by the love of my parents uh, and their relationship with God that I have any positive um, experience um, with spirituality at all. Uh, They and their love was able to overcome that, and they took me away from those churches that were harmful and that hurt. Fundamentalism to Faith, Memoirs of a Recovering Free Will Baptist is the name of the book. My guest is J.C. Ferris, speaking with me via Skype uh, from near uh, Kingsport, Tennessee. Uh, this is a, a, a life story, a, a spiritual uh, direction. You talk about the doctrine of the church, that a person can lose his or her salvation. You describe that doctrine itself as terrifying. It is, because, uh, you know, you always wonder, am I doing the thing that's going to make me lose my salvation? Uh they stress a lot uh, about demons uh, and demonic uh, oppression for Christians, possession for non-Christians. Um, and to think that I could be oppressed is was terrifying. And in fact, several times it was suggested that I was. Um, and, you know, when you live with that, it, it, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, what do you do to stay mm-hmm. saved? And when I came to the point that I did realize I was gay, oh, that was that was the end of the story. I was automatically going to hell. And that was the ultimate terror for me. When you said you automatically knew you were going to hell, was that something that people told you right then, or is that something you just kind of knew from growing up in the church? Oh, I knew it from growing up in the church. You, you constantly hear uh, 
especially around here, uh, what abominations uh, homosexuals are. Uh, they quote the Bible over and over, even though it's parts of the Bible they don't even follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they love to use uh, the holiness code to tell people like me how horrible we are and how deserving of hell we are. Uh, so I knew uh, that I was in trouble. And I was married at the time uh, to a wonderful man. Uh, and I was actually uh, a pastor's wife. And to actually realize this at that point and to know that if I came out, he was going to lose his dream of being a pastor. Uh, all of that together uh, sent me to my first episode of suicide. Um, because you think if I go, uh, then he's going to be the poor preacher who lost his, his wife. If I stay and I come out, he's going to be the horrible man who couldn't pray uh, the gay out of his wife. And uh, so it leaves you uh, with an intense amount of guilt. Um, and it was only by making uh, one decision and giving God a ch- one chance uh, that, that I made it through that time. Talk about that with me, if you would, J.C. You, t- you took, uh, took an attempt on your life, and so why did you decide to live? Well, I was sitting down uh, by the river, which is one place I go uh, when I'm having a hard time, and I, I cut myself. Uh, I am a cutter, and I'll be honest with that. I cut myself, how I would say, 30 or 40 times on my arm, and I was trying to get the nerve to finally cut the vein that would allow me to die. And all this time I'm crying and I'm praying to God, why did you make me this way? Why will you not take it away? I've begged and, and pleaded. And this was three years after I came out to my husband. Um, and still God wouldn't change me. But I came uh, to a realization at that point that I could kill myself any day. I could do it tomorrow. I could do it the next day. But if I did it today... I wouldn't know what would happen, and I wouldn't know if maybe I could find happiness. So since 19, what, 96, 97, I've given myself permission every day to commit suicide, just not today. Huh. That is amazing. You are really a survivor in many different ways. Well, it's it's been a, 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 lar- a big matter of faith. You know, no matter... How ungodly people tell me I am because I am a homosexual and and I'm very vocal about it because I, I want to stop people from hurting others. Mm-hmm. Uh, God knows my soul. And as long as I can say it is well with my soul and I know that, then everything's going to be okay. Um, now, I still can't tell you right now Will I be alive in 10 years and not take it by my own hand? I don't know. Uh, It's been 40-some years with this mental illness of agoraphobia, uh, with depression, uh, with all these things. uh, uh, Noise that, when I hear noise, noise hurts me. Uh, It's not in my ears. It's in my body. It's an oversensitization that you get um, when you have some of the disorders that I have. And so 
I can't promise the next day, but I can promise you today because I told myself today will never be today. Going through an experience that, that you've had, the experiences um, with church and with God, one might give up on God altogether um, or on faith, and yet you found a way to transform it. Your book, in fact, it's titled From Fundamentalism to Faith. Can you tell me how this uh, transformation happened within you? Well, you know, for a while, I, I just threw the whole idea of God to the side. Um, but it is so ingrained in me to believe that there is a higher power. And the day that I realized that God could speak to me in the way God wanted to speak, that I didn't have to see God the same way. Um, it's it's like asking somebody who's been raped by a man to trust another man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I felt, I don't want to say violated in that way by a male God, but I find my comfort in uh, the feminine. And so when I could refer to God as mama, um, it became a whole different thing. Uh, last night, for instance, I, uh, I was having a hard time dealing with being able to be here. And when I had to reread my book, it sent me for a spin. So I went to the woods and I just prayed over and over, mama, 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 please tell me, please let me feel that you're with me. And when I could do that, then I had faith. I, I, I could see having that kind of faith. I don't understand this Christian God that is preached in the churches I grew up with. And people may say, I'm twisting God. But why in the world can God not come to me the way she knows uh, is going to reach me? And the same for everyone else. Uh, I I don't like putting God in a box, which is what fundamentalism does. Uh, It says God has to be a man. God has to be this. God has to be that. Um, and as long as you say that, you're, you're, you're not having your own faith. You're having somebody else's faith. Uh, and I just can't do that. Your struggle has, has been painful and, uh, and, 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 and abusive, and yet also, but it's also been an object of to growth. Your, your view of God is far more expansive now and of humanity and, and what it is to be a human being and to care oh, for it's, others. It's made a huge difference because... Uh, you know, used to, if someone was hurting, I was taught to pray for them. Now, if someone is hurting, I go to them and find out what I can do to help them. Even if that's just online on Facebook. I've done a lot with people on Facebook that are at the point to where they're wanting to commit suicide. Instead of me saying, okay, I'm going to pray for you and go on about what else I'm doing, I stop, I talk to them, and stay with them until uh, they're over that time that they don't want to take their life and they want to wait until tomorrow and see what happens. That, to me, uh, is what faith is. Faith without works is dead, uh, and I don't want that. I want to, um, I want to be a difference. If, if, if I've got to be down here, John, and this I know this sounds hard, but if I have to go through all these mental illnesses and deal with life as it's come, then the very least I can do is to give back with whatever talent I have, whether that's um, just talking to someone, whether it's my poetry, whatever it is, uh, to give that uh, to the world and to make a difference. And here in Tennessee, the one thing I can do 
is to be out as a gay person uh, so that people can say they've got a face uh, to homosexuality instead of hating the group. They've got to look in my eyes and tell me they hate me and that I'm an abomination. J.C. Ferris, my guest, the author of Fundamentalism to Faith, Memoirs of a Recovering Free Will Baptist. Her website is jcferris.com. Switching gears just for a little bit, you have a great love for animals. We heard uh, one of your friends there just a little bit ago. How many pets do you have? Um, Right now I have a a rescue of 11 dogs and 11 cats. Most of the dogs are uh, chihuahuas and um, have been abused. I've had to actually stop... um, bringing animals in because the ones that I have uh, have been so abused they can't be adopted out. Uh, so all of my finances, everything I have uh, goes to taking care of, the, of them because the thing is I can't make myself feel safe a lot of times, John, but I can make them feel safe and I can uh, win their trust and that in itself is a ministry. Um, I, I don't think uh, ministry stops at the at the human spirit. I think it goes uh, across the board. When I could no longer bring animals in, uh, that's when I started to write Secrets of a Vet Tech. My purpose in doing that was I don't have a lot. A lot of people are giving up their animals to the shelters now because they financially cannot afford them. At least that's what they're told uh, because we're expected, um, you know, to do everything take them to the vet at no, for no you know for any reason whatsoever. So my book wasn't a, a, an advice, a medical advice. What it was was my uh, autobiography of what I did uh, after 20 years as a vet tech and and several years as an animal cruelty investigator. All the tools that I put together to be able to take care uh, of all my animals uh, on a very small budget. I uh, try to share uh, where people can get financial assistance uh, to help them with their animals so we can stop uh, this overpopulation and stop uh, the neglect uh, that we see all too often. That book is Secrets of a Vet Tech, The Guide to Low-Cost Pet Care When the Cupboard is Bare, and the book we've been also talking about today, Fundamentalism to Faith, Memoirs of a Recovering Free Will Baptist, information about both of those books, as well as books of poetry and other uh, work by J.C. Ferris on her website, J.C. Ferris, F-A-R-R-I-S uh, dot com. We just have a, a few seconds left, J.C. I, I, I so much appreciate you speaking with me today. Uh, what do you hope people will take away uh, from this book, Fundamentalism to Faith? Um, first, I want them to know that uh, there is no reason not to have faith. Uh, I want them to get their own vision of God and allow God to speak to them. If that means God is a woman, God is a woman. If God is a man, God is a man. But don't give up and don't let uh, the people around you tell you where your soul is headed. You know, it just breaks my heart that just because uh, we're gay that we're nobody. Uh, And I know that God doesn't think that. And most certainly, uh, if Jesus walked down here right now, he would... He would have our backs, and uh, he would protect us from the church uh, that wants to hurt us uh, or wants to uh, save us, let me put it that way. Um, it's up to God to do that, not to the church. Uh, only you and God can determine that, and you do what you have to do to be able to say, it is well with my soul. J.C. Ferris, my guest today on Religion for Life. Thank you for your work, and thank you for spending time with me today. 
My pleasure. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. More information about Religion for Life can be found at religionforlife.com. You'll find links to podcasts, information about upcoming shows. Also follow us on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter. My name is John Shuck, minister at First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee, website fpcelizabethton.org. Religion for Life is co-produced by WETS-FM and WETS-HD1, Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC-FM, Emory, Virginia. Be well.